Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning into the Sober Talk with Rob podcast. And of course, as always, I'm your boy, Rob. Thank you for listening, first and foremost. And what you could do for me right now is hit that bell icon so that I may occupy your notifications and your life. Share me with your friends. Share me with your family. This podcast is about my recovery from alcoholism and other things, while also talking to other people about their insights, them sharing their stories. And what I care the most about is what this podcast can do for you. So let my words and other people help you out. I just want you to know that you're not alone and we can work together on this. So thank you for tuning in and enjoy the show. One. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. I got Mr. Seth Button here, um, former Fat Dad Fitness, former Fat Dad Podcast. And today he's going to be co-hosting with me as we're going to be talking about, I would say, a controversial topic, one that's important to me, but one that's also, I feel like, gets really under-discussed and used as, how would I say, like a crutch to other things. And I think the one thing that is not really looked at in the sense is like ways to mitigate it instead of pushing um instead of pushing pills and everything like that so we're going to talk about that today but before we do that Seth I want to ask you man because you did the uh you did the Goggins challenge like I did and I know we talked a little bit during it and man when I tell you I was fighting some demons man I was fighting some demons and it wasn't it wasn't mental it was that it was my ankle that hurt and so I want to ask you, man, like, how did it go? It was luckily I didn't have to deal with any injuries. Um, I would say I was pretty sore. I took some ibuprofen a few times, uh, which I don't often do in my normal training. I think I almost did it as like a preventative. Like I would feel kind of sore and I was like, okay, I don't want to feel any, I don't want this to get worse. So I would, I took, took a little bit of ibuprofen along the way, but by and large wasn't dealing with any pain. It was all mental for me. It was the lack of sleep. Cause I'm a sleeper. Like I go to bed at a very similar time every night and I wake up at the same time every morning. So to, to throw that all off was, was really what wrecked me. And dude, the cat naps, I don't know. The cat naps got harder, like throughout the day, they, they got harder throughout like the whole cycle it was harder to fall asleep and 10 times harder to even wake up when you're supposed to wake up. And dude, every time I try to fall asleep, my heart is just pounding and it feels like it's going to, it's going to come out of my chest. And I'm like, dude, I don't know why this is so hard because like halfway through the run, like at the two mile turnaround, I'm like, I just can't wait to go to sleep. I don't care about food. I didn't care about water. I was like, I just want to go back to sleep. You know, I don't uh, like, is that what you're kind of dealing with? Yeah, I, I looked forward to it and I slept. I think I slept a, at least a little bit between each leg, except for one of them. And it was only because my it was my daughter's birthday party that um, I think it was that Sunday oh. and I couldn't and I couldn't sleep between that leg. And that was the only one. The rest of the time I caught like at least an hour, I'd say. And. I listened to your I listened to your episode about uh, your whole experience, and I know you mentioned that you didn't shower between each leg, which I was like I was kind of cracking up because I I did shower between every leg, so I took <laughs> what twelve showers Dude, in a forty eight hour time period. Yeah, I don't know. I just every time I, I showered, 
like and I wanted to shower, it really relaxed the fuck out of my body. And that's why I do enjoy showers a lot is because it, man, it like stabilizes the fuck out of me, dude. And so it's like, I, I was like, okay, I'm going to do like four to six legs and then I'm going to shower. And then, but it's like, every time I just took a shower, my heart rate was like, you. And so when I showered, I felt good and I was ready to pass the fuck out. But you get me, you, you try to get me to wake up, man. You were going to have to fucking grab me with the goddamn like excavator, dude. Cause I could not wake up for the life of me. So it's like not showering. My body was like, like it, it was like up and at it type feeling. And so my central nervous system's, you know, sitting there marinating in my fucking, my, you know, my ball sweat and everything like that. It was just like, all right, get up and go. So those were like the easiest legs I probably had in comparison to the ones where I showered. And it was just like, dude, it just felt like forever, man. Like each leg that went on just felt like, four milers were like 10 or 20 milers dude and i was just like i'm over this shit dude yeah i was over i was over it by the end i was happy to do those last those last two because after my daughter's birthday party i had two legs left so i had a three o'clock and then a seven o'clock yeah and i was done and it's and it rained during the last one which i i again i just kind of had to chuckle i was like of course it would rain but otherwise the the weather was beautiful for me yeah dude it was it was the shittiest like weather you could possibly think of out of all days too because leading up to that weekend like it was sunny it was like 70 degrees so i was like oh dude it's perfect you know i'm gonna fucking have a good time hell no i get out there dude it's raining it's fucking winds blowing at like you know 30 miles per hour rain's not even coming down vertically it's coming down horizontally so i'm getting smacked in the face by rain and just the absolute worst cold and now the cold on top of like my busted ass ankle and then the soreness is just, it was like just, just insult to injury. And I was just like, man, okay, you know what, dude, let's just get this shit over with, man. Like just thinking about that challenge, I was, I, I, I was telling everyone like, man, just thinking about like ever do, having to do that challenge ever again, I get sick, dude. I get like this weird, nasty feeling where I'm just like, oh, dude, I can't even think about that, man. And I'm just like, fuck it, man. If I do it again, you know what? At least I know now what to expect because I was not expecting any of that. I, if it's any indication I, of how difficult and just like a war with yourself that that is, I had every intention of filming, doing a lot of filming and trying to put like a little mini doc, like little like vlog together, if you will. Yeah. And I... The only footage I got was like little, you know, like I took like my normal, like little pitter pat feet, little pitter patter, mm. like aerial shot of my feet if at every the start of every leg. And I got no other footage, basically, other than a couple of meets like talking like I wanted to get uh, some drone footage and I wanted to like I wanted to get some like kind of point of point of views type stuff of like some some of the nicer scenic looking runs and. I was just so exhausted that I just couldn't, I, I couldn't even fathom doing that during the run. So I have like nothing to show for it except for a, a few, a couple little clips and whatnot. But yeah, I mean, it's just, it's too much to, yeah. to, to do the, to do the event and to deal with like that kind of stuff on top of it. So I agree, man. Like I thought about that too. I'm like, man, are you going to do this next year? And hopefully by next year, maybe we'll, I mean, we'll have, we'll, we'll be well rested. So maybe oh, yeah. we'll, we'll decide yeah. Maybe I won't remember the feeling of eating because, man, Hot Pockets, 
Canada Dry, and let's see what else. Oh, uh, and like Ruffles chips were like my best friends. That's what I was eating in between because I just needed the calories because, dude, I was burning so many fucking calories. It wasn't even funny. Like, it was ridiculous. And I started out with my, like, nutrition pretty early, like, just making sure I was good on, on, like, calories and just, like, you know, carb loading and everything like that. Like, I was good. So I didn't feel any, like, effects of, like, dehydration. I, like, I didn't have any headaches. It was just more of the, the I'm fucking sore. And I would just get random spurts of, like, I'm hungry as fuck. And there came like there came like a point where I was just like, all right, dude, I I just want like a McChicken from McDonald's or something. I had like these weird cravings, dude. I wanted pizza bad, and I ate, <laughs> I, I ate it at the end. I I basically lived on crackers, and I ate I bought I had bought these like little like muffin cups. I think they're like um, Kodiak brand. Yeah, just real in like soup. It was just really easy to make microwavable stuff just so I didn't take a lot of time prepping anything and just Same. sleep was my, my goal. And, uh, but I'm glad I did it. And, um, yeah, I think it's, it was, it was a lot of fun in hindsight. Yeah, man. It really showed me what I'm, I don't, what I'm more capable of. Cause I mean, I've been in like really shitty dark places before, like, you know, especially doing what I do, like I've been in some of the absolute worst places where I've been pushed beyond like my mental fortitude. And I've always had just like fight. I mean, I've always just had the ability to just push through adversity and just kind of block out the like the pain and everything like that. And I've, I've become really good at making friends with pain. But honestly, man, I think just uh, just that challenge alone, because I've never done that challenge ever. I've never even ran that many miles in i want to say in my life so just that alone was just the absolute gut check and i paid for it like the the whole week after dude like my whole central nervous system like i would wake up at like two three in the morning and i'm like covered in sweat man i'm talking like to the point where it's like i have to wash my sheets almost every night because my sheets are soaked dude it's so weird and i'm like if i had like a meter as to how much body fluid i was losing I'm pretty sure it would be a very significant amount, which is like scary as fuck to think about because like after, dude, I had the weirdest cravings. There were days where I was not hungry and there was days where I was super hungry. And there's days where I just felt like, I just felt so sick, man, that whole week after. And I didn't want to work out. I didn't want to do anything. But I, it, the weird part was I wasn't sore like at all after that. Like I was not sore. I think like 24 hours after the only thing that really hurt was just like my, my psoas muscle. I just felt the tightening in there and like my hip flexors, but that was it, dude. I didn't feel like any soreness after that, which is just threw me off because I'm like, dude, there's no way, you know? Yeah. I felt I felt the same. No, no soreness really. And just very small appetite. So, and yeah, they lasted about a week. And I did, I, I took the whole week off, didn't do anything. Yeah, man. So. And I, I got nervous to the point where I started to look it up. Um, like what happens to your body after you run the David Goggins challenge? And it was all saying the same shit. Like your central nervous system will start kind of acting up weird. You'll start experiencing things that you've never experienced before. Um, you won't, your appetite will be in and out, experience rapid weight loss to weight gain. Like you'll lose weight so much faster in the days coming then you will even in the effort that you make to w- gain weight and i'm like what 
it's a lot of science that goes into it, man. I got to read more into it. But that was one of the things that I said. I'm like, dude, that's fucking crazy. Because a lot yeah. of my friends saw me that week after and they're like, dude, you look fucking, you look small. You look skinny. I'm like, thanks, man. I don't want to look like that, but all right. And I ended up losing a total of like 11 pounds, dude. Yeah, I, I forget what I weighed. Uh, I know at one point I, it was like really early on. I was like, um, I've already dropped like five or six pounds and I don't, I don't recall what I came in at the end, but I, yeah, I, I lost some weight too. It was, it was wild. Yeah. That whole weekend just revolved around that too. You know, it's just kind of a blur in, in hindsight. Yeah. It just felt never ending, man. But I mean, like to think about like, and I was watching, I, so I was on Instagram and I was looking at this dude. He did the he did the challenge as well. It, it just pissed me off because, like, going through what I what I went through on that challenge, I saw this dude and he was like a really you know fit dude. Runs a lot of marathons, runs a lot of long terms, uh distances and shit. And he just hyped it up, man. Hyped it up, hyped it up. And I want to say about like the seventh leg, he hurt his foot. And so he was like showing how he hurt his foot. And I don't really know how he hurt his foot, you know. I'm not one to judge, but I'm just like, dude, homeboy straight gave up and got on a bike and just biked for four miles. That was it. And I'm like, you have no swelling on your foot. You have no like damage that's showing on your foot. And you just instantly give up and you go on a bike for the rest of the way. And you're like, oh, look at me. I, I fucking I'm like, dude, come on, man. My shit is busted, bro. Like. When I say busted, it looked like a golf ball was coming out of my ankle. Like, and that's why I was saying my last show, like no picture could amount to just the swelling that was on my ankle and the pain, man. Cause just putting pain, like putting weight on it hurt so fucking bad. I'm like, dude, I thought I broke it at first because the pain was just so excruciating. And like having a walk and run was just an even bigger task. Uh, and, you know, eventually getting blood running through it, it felt so much better. But I'm just like thinking like, dude, don't hype yourself. Don't pat yourself in the back too too much, like to the point where you're choking yourself because like, bro, you got on a bike, man. You know, there's people, people out there that were battling harder adversity and they still ran it. And if they couldn't run, they, they walked. And if they couldn't walk, they fucking crawled. But hey, dude, you know, to each his own, man. And I was so mad about that. I'm like, dude, why am I getting mad with that? You know, like I can't even be fucking mad at that. You know? Yeah, I, you know, everybody's, everybody's got their own thing going on. And I don't know. I, I didn't see anything like that. I saw, I saw um, some people that did like, they didn't run the whole thing. They, they would like lift one leg and then they'd bike and then run and swim. They saw some of that. Um, But like, mostly I, I was interacting with you and then I've, I follow and, and talk to this guy who lives in Northern Africa. Yeah. Oddly enough. And, uh, he and I were chit chatting back and forth and I was watching, he was, um, doing a bunch of story highlights too. And I, at one point, I think like a huge storm rolled through and he thought that he was going to have to, uh, he wasn't going to be able to do it. There were like, I think he had two legs left. And then what he ended up doing was, I think he, I think he had to skip the one leg cause it was like so bad. And then he ended up running eight miles for the last leg. Fuck. Yeah. Which I was like, yeah, dude, like I, I would hate to see somebody have to give up for such a reason. And I'm, you know, I'm blessed because 
I have a treadmill at my house. So I knew come, come hell or high water, regardless of what happened, as long as I had power, I was going to be able to run the miles. And, um, but yeah, I mean, it was just crazy to watch different people deal with different stuff. And, um, I just got lucky. I was afraid I was going to get hurt because I hyped it up a lot too and raised money. And I was like, damn, like if I, if I fall short on this event, that really drove me. I think, I mean, I think I, I know I would have finished regardless, you know, outside of something catastrophic happening, but it, that was always in the back of my head. Like, absolutely. You got to keep, you have to keep grinding at this because people are counting on you to finish. And yeah, it was, um, it was definitely what I needed to, to maintain that headspace. Dude. I, like when I saw you running on the treadmill, I'm like, how the fuck are you doing that? I, I'm sorry, man, but just, the person I am, like, I feel like it's harder to run on a treadmill than it is harder to run on trails. Cause at least with the trail, you see progress, but on a treadmill, you're static and you're just like, Oh my God, dude, it's just mental, mental fucking just, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And, and like, when oh, I saw yeah. you do that, I was like, dude, you're crazy, man. You're fucking crazy. Absolutely it's, not. it's, it's funny because I got, I got the treadmill because the weather started to get, to, started to get bad. Mm-hmm. Um, like, you know, months and months ago, I, I just knew that we were going to have some bad winter mornings and, and I was like, man, I, there, there really is some snow sometimes here and I live in Southern Ohio. So there's some snow here sometimes that, you know, if you woke up on a Saturday morning, planning on going on a run and, you know, there's six inches of snow on the ground, it's going to be pretty problematic. So I knew a treadmill would come in handy and I'm glad I, I got one because at first I didn't use it very much. And it's one of those things, you know, classic, like, Oh yeah, I bought a treadmill and never used it. Well, then the snow did come and I started. So, so kind of to give this some context, just leading up to that, to the four by four, I had been running on the treadmill more than I was running outside. So I was doing like my long Saturday runs on a treadmill. So I was running like 12, 13 miles on a treadmill. And yeah, you want to talk about the worst uh, but as time went on, I, I started watching TV <laughs> and I don't watch a lot of TV. So yeah. I was just using the treadmill to, to watch shows. So it started, I, I watched Peaky Blinders. I don't know if you ever watched that, but I finished that entire series. Show, man. That's a great yeah. And I was like, so I had started it years ago. So I think I picked up where, no, no, I take that back. I, I restarted it. So I went, I watched all seasons of that. And then about the time. I finished Peaky Blinders. I was like, okay, like I can get into the treadmill. And then I started watching uh, Cobra Kai. And um, so, yeah, by the time the Goggins event came up, I had already kind of embraced, embraced the, the treadmill. I didn't want to run on it, but I think I'm trying to think I might've ran two legs of it. And I want to say they were the really late night ones, like the three o'clock in the morning ones. Yeah. And I think that was that was the, a nice thing to be able to just walk out in the garage, knock out the four, have a something small to eat, hydrate, go back to sleep. So, I mean, it was, it was a good tool. I'm not saying I, I wouldn't have done it otherwise, but it, it definitely was a nice, a nice thing, to, nice to have, but yeah, the, the treadmill is, is soul sucking. Yeah. Sure. It is. The most I've ever ran on a treadmill was just like 10 miles. And then after that, I'm just like, yeah, I'm never doing this again. Because the whole time I'm like, dude, is this shit almost over? Granted, I run ten miles on, I run ten miles on a on you know 
trail, I'm like, dude, I'm having fun. But on a treadmill, fuck no. <laughs> nothing fuck. against people that nothing against people that like that. I follow a guy on Instagram that basically only runs on a treadmill, and then he, you know, he'll he'll run events outdoors. Yeah, and I don't know. I don't know how he does that, but for me, I think it made me softer. It made me a softer runner in reality um, and, and to each their own. And I, you obviously just, I just feel like when you're outside, you're getting a lot more uh, variety, not just the scenery, but just elevation change and stuff. I definitely, I certainly, when I run on the treadmill, don't change my elevation as much as I should. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, that's kind of, I, I was, I joked around with a friend of mine and I just said, yeah, tell him that this, the treadmill is making me soft. So, but, uh, yeah, to each their own. It's a great tool. I, yeah. I don't think I'll use it much in the summertime, but during, during the winter it's, it comes in great for me. I saw this guy who was talking about how he, he, he ran ultra marathons and he never ran outside. He would run on the treadmill, never put it in elevation, never put it on like a decline or anything like that. And he used just a regular treadmill and he was running good ultra marathon. So I think it's just based on the person, the person, excuse me, like he said, it's just two each is two each their own. But yeah, I mean, everybody's different. Um, I just, I love the treadmill, but I hate it because I'll do speed work on the treadmill. Don't get me wrong. I love sprinting on the treadmill, but you get me to run more than 10 miles on it. No, I'll, I'd rather run 10 miles outside. Cause no, nah, not, not me. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, man, before we kind of get off topic, uh, what we're going to talk about is, you know, depression and lack thereof, because obviously you and I have both experienced it in different terms and also different realities. And the reason why I wanted to talk about depression is because it's talked about, but not in the sense of where it needs to be talked about. And the thing about me is when I make my podcast, a lot of my shows are just like, you know, get the fuck up and go, get the fuck up and get outside. Stop making excuses as to why you can't be where you want to be and why you're so trapped in a corner and why you feel like your life is very stagnant. And the reason I do this is because when I experienced the level of depression that I have, which I still battle through, you know, that's something we're going to talk about, is it's easy to fall back into depression than it is to come out of it. Because no matter what, no matter what you do, no matter how much you fight it, it's always going to be there. It's, it's kind of like, it's like, a, it's like a virus, like the flu or COVID in this sense, since we're dealing with COVID is no matter how much you fight it, yeah, you'll fight it temporarily and it won't, you won't seem like you have it, but it's always going to be there. And it's always going to be there to, to kind of, kind of uh, like cloud you in a sense where it seems like the most unrealistic thing that you just can't get off your back. And when people under, don't understand like why they feel the way they do is because they have a hard time trying to pinpoint it. Like, what does depression feel like? What does depression look like? How would I even know I'm depressed and how could I get help by it? And it's not that they're, they're not aware of it. It's just that they lack the knowledge of what it is, let alone people who have friends and family who are dealing with it. And I think this will help them kind of pinpoint it out and what they could do on their own part. Because I always say this and I'll continuously live by this is, you know, you can bring a horse to water, but you can't force it to drink, you know, just like you can only help us uh, a person so much before you know, it starts taking a toll on you. So I experienced, um, like I said, like I said, in some of my other podcasts, like I I experienced depression for like, I want to say years, man, from like 
2011 to like present and growing up i never understood what it was i thought i was just sad for some odd reason i just felt like nothing i i did could truly make me happy and you know all the happiness that i had was just temporary because i never knew what it was because i was always smiling i was always having a good time no matter what i was doing and i was always laughing whatever but when I finally really started experiencing it and it just, it's not just the, like the kind of the cloudiness, but just more of the fatigue and the feeling of hopelessness and the, you know, not feeling like you want to do the things you've always loved to do before. That's when I started to understand it a little bit. And the older I got, the more knowledgeable I became on it. And I just had the hardest time, not just fighting it, but had the hardest time mitigating it because everything you do in your life once you realize you are depressed is going to be fighting it right like they always say life is a constant battle you're it's not that you're battling life because you're always going to have shitty days you're always going to have maybe some good days but it's what you do to take back those shitty days and turn them into something good right and as much as i thought I knew I was doing right was just making me sick. It was making everything worse. And I want, and the reason why I'm sharing my experiences is because I'm not here to say I'm a doctor. I'm not here to say like, oh, you're this, you're that, because clearly I'm not a doctor. But when you're somebody with experience, you know what it looks like. And the thing about me is even to this day, I'm quick to look at somebody who does not look right and say, hey man, are you okay? You're, you're moving kind of funny. Hey, man, is there something you want to talk about? Are you sure? Are you positive? I don't give a shit about anyone else right now. Like, I'm talking to you. I'm quick to do that because I know what it's like to be in that scenario and not even get asked by somebody who probably has an idea of what I look like, but is afraid to ask. So sharing these experiences, I, I know is going to help a lot of people help one another, but most importantly, help themselves. So, um, so let's talk about it, man. Like, what from your experience did you learn about depression and like in your sense, what did it look like to you? Well, I think you nailed it when you said it's, it's hard to identify because I think just being tired all the time is, is a form of depression and you don't know why you're tired all the time. I think that's where it started with, for me, Mm -hmm. is you know i just fatigue constantly and why why did the simplest and I, you know i i brought some notes um just because i i was just kind of thinking about this leading into but like one of my notes is just like the simplest of tasks seem like so out of reach so like you know you could make a list and I, i'm a list guy so i'll make out i'll like make out a list of all the things i need to get done and it just like stupid stuff seems like like, oh man, how am I going to get that done today? You know, right. like, you know, how am I ever going to find the energy to cut the grass or something like that? Just something silly. And so, yeah, I mean, it can be, it can be confusing and you don't know why you're feeling that way. Um, I think, I think it's only after you come out of it that you're able to like, kind of like retroactively look back and say, wow, I was like, I must've been depressed. And then you, and then I think it's easy to, 
to easier to know when you're falling back into that Mm -hmm. or when you're having those feelings. Like once you've kind of like pulled yourself out once, you know, and I've like, I've, I've gotten good at just like openly saying it to like my significant other, you know, like I, you know, I'll tell her like, yeah, I'm feeling um, like, like this way or that way. And I need to like snap out of it or do, you know, do something else or, you know, do find some purpose. And for me, having a purpose is very important to stay out of those ruts. Anytime I have a purpose, I have like something to work towards or strive towards. I don't get into that, but it's one, when I allow myself to not have anything to work toward, that's when I find you, I find myself watching more TV or laying in bed more at night rather than doing stuff leading up to just going to sleep. You know, I'll spend a lot more time just laying there and not like accomplishing much. And that is when you can tell that I'm feeling some sort of way and I have to like snap myself out of it, but it's hard to, it's hard to identify at first. Most people are probably very confused by it. And, you know, my advice would be that if you can find purpose in life, find something to work toward, at least in my experience, that's what pulled me out. And then once I was out, I I was able to realize, wow, like I was, I was depressed and that's why I was doing things like, you know, last time you and I talked, talked about, uh, we talked about drinking and I know your channel is very, very uh, sobriety driven. And like, that was really, I didn't know it at the time, but I look back now and I know that's why I was drinking all the time because I would feel kind of down. And then that's when I would say, then, you know, then it was, you know, five o'clock somewhere. And then I was, I was good again, at least for a while until I came back down and then it was worse. And then the Valley would go deeper. And I battled with that for a long time because I had no purpose. I had nothing to, I wasn't working towards anything and it was confusing at the time, but again, my eyes are wide open now. So I know that's probably not the greatest advice to tell someone like, Hey, if you're depressed, you know, pull yourself out of the depression and you'll, you'll figure out and identify the reasons why you were depressed in the first place. But you know, that's, I think it I definitely starts with a healthy lifestyle because even just, even just as I clean up my act, it was easier to, to see what was causing and at, and like uh, making the depression worse. Absolutely. And I think, I think is, the most important part is people don't understand because I mean, you'll be the most healthiest person and you can eat healthy as fuck and you could do all the things that are healthy. But what is hard to understand is when you're static and when you're very stagnant in your life and you're not even, you're not as occupied throughout your day. That's when you tend to kind of fall into the stage of what am I doing right now that I should be doing? you start kind of overthinking everything and you're just like, dude, do I have something to do? Shouldn't I be doing something? And then, you know, like the watching TV and laying down a lot more, that plays a big part of it because then you start wondering like, why do I always feel so sleepy? And why do I always feel um, tired? And a lot of people start looking into like, oh, maybe my central nervous system is fucked or maybe I'm sick. And so they start taking medicine. And it's like, no, it's not that you're sick. It's just, 
your body is getting comfortable with you sitting around and just being comfortable, right? And I always talk about hobbies. I always talk about exercise. I always talk about it, right? It's why it's recommended by, you know, like just all the health nuts in the world. You should at least have about like 60 minutes of outdoor activity a day. It doesn't matter because when you're so stagnant and when you're not out getting sun or if you're not out doing something, you're not accomplishing much. And something as simple that I that I have to get myself to do every day is getting up earlier than expected and at least going outside for like five minutes just to breathe some fresh air. Because if I don't, I feel so weird in the morning, man. Like I feel like just I feel behind, like I just feel tired and I feel like that depressive feeling. And I hate the way it feels because it feels like somebody's trying to push you back into bed and somebody's kind of hanging on your shoulder. And I know a lot of my friends and I know a lot of the people that I've ever associated myself with always felt that and they couldn't fight it. And what suffered me in, in, what suffered me in, in the past is I, I was not good at helping them with it. It was more just like, everything's going to be, everything's going to be okay. And what people need to understand too is you can't, just say that everything is going to be okay. You need to be real with people who are experiencing these things. You know, it's if you're someone like me and you can pinpoint when you're starting to fall into it, that's good. You're doing the right thing. You're on the right path. But now the, the question you have to ask yourself is what are you going to do about it? Right. Simple things like what you said, right. Writing lists, lists help organize the brain fog that starts from the moment that you wake up in the morning. And when you have these lists, what you're doing is you're setting small goals throughout the day, right? If you set small goals throughout the day, they lead to even bigger goals. And when you can wake up in the morning and the first thing, let's say on your list, you have like wake up and make bed. If you can wake up and you make bed, guess what? You cross that one out and now you feel good because you just accomplished a very simple task, but it seems so drastic in the morning because you're tired, you're just getting out of bed and your central nervous system isn't even fully awake yet. But now you accomplish that. And the thing, the first thing that starts clicking through your head is the dopamine and the endorphins, you know, screaming and saying, what else can we do? And when you start living to accomplish these very small goals, I think that does mitigate everything in about, am I falling behind in life? Because I know that's what a lot of people these days are experiencing. And the reason why I say you're consistently fighting it every day is because if you just don't, if you're consistently inconsistent, you're automatically going to fall, fall into it. I mean, I, I, I experienced it. You know, you're automatically going to, how do I say it? Um, feel it. And there's no trick to the trade. There's, there's no like way around it. It's just the truth. So it's like you have to be consistent. And on the days, and, and like you've heard me mention it before, and you've heard everyone in the mother mention it, it's about doing the things that you don't want to do on the days when you do not want to do it the most. Because that's where you're going to become immune to being tired and you're going to become immune to being fatigued because now you're going to start getting used to the consistency of being active. And that's why the most active people, regardless of the other things they do, tend to have a higher level of, I want to say resiliency and everything else. Um, so now talking about 
right? What does it look like? From my experience, depression doesn't always look like somebody who, you know, just kind of walks around all sad, is gaining weight, is losing weight, is not sleeping. I've seen some of the greatest people, like some of the happiest people that just shed a smile every day. I've seen them at their absolute worst. And it was when they didn't even think I was watching because I'm a, I'm a, I'm a people watcher, you know? And the thing about these people that I notice is when they have just a bit of alone time, you can see it, man. And it, it like seeps out of their body, like sweat. And you could just feel it because as much as they used to light up the room and, you know, used to light up the room, they don't light up the room anymore. You know, they, they start doing these small things that you kind of pick up on if you really, really pay attention. And it's why I always say, you know, if the guy who's always smiling, if the guy or girl who's always smiling every day coming in, even if, you know, they look happy, it doesn't hurt to ask like, hey, how are you doing? Are you okay? Like, hey, is there anything you can, I could do for you? Or is there anything you want to talk about? It doesn't hurt to do that because it, it's it's so crazy. And, you know, there's so much like, oh, like it's always the happiest people. Once Like, yeah, it is always the happiest people because we know what it's like to be in that situation where it you feel alone and you feel hopeless that we're willing to make other people happy and that's when you start to realize like that dude is probably going through some shit has anyone here asked him how he's doing and to me i think this is just the craziest part because i never liked to believe it until i started experiencing it like as old as you know throughout the years growing up and it still happens to this very day and i i it's just, it's, it's like heartbreaking and disappointing at the same time, because it's like, why, like, why, why do you feel like this? Like, why does somebody do this to you or whatever it may be? Because it's like, you're a good person. You're that person that everyone talks about when you're not here. You know, like, oh, why are they, you know, simple things like that. And you realize that when you're bothered by how someone else feels, it starts to kind of affect you because then you start thinking like, what could I do to help this person? So now talking about how it affects not just you, but depression can affect the other things you want to do in your life and you want wanted to do in your life because of underconfidence and energy. But what do you, so in your opinion, man, what do you kind of, what can you share about that? Is so the question is, how does depression keep you from doing doing the things you want to do? And yeah, yeah, I when you feel that way, you just you do you just feel no energy. You feel like you can't accomplish anything. Um, I think I think what that really boils down to. And the way to get out of that is you're just going to have to create a routine and you're going to have to find, I don't even want to say find energy because you, you don't, you, you won't have any f- at first, mm-hmm. but once you force yourself to just, you know, go to bed at the same time, get up at the same time, you know, accomplish those tasks, like you said, with the checklist. And again, I, I mentioned earlier, sometimes you make that list and it seems so daunting to even do the simplest of things. But, you know, something that got me through every, all of this is, 
you know, got me over the hump. So where, like I mentioned, you know, when you're looking down from the mountain down, you can see all those things that, you know, were causing the depression or times when you were depressed and you didn't know what was going on. But one of the things that, that got me up that and over, up over that hump was just, it was just doing things even when I didn't feel like doing it and getting into that routine. I mean, when you look at the, the people, all the people that I've ever known that have been super depressed. And again, you know, you mentioned it earlier. We probably can't say it enough on this episode. It, you know, we aren't doctors. We're not specialists. We're just speaking from experience. But I, the, all the people I know who have ever been depressed, myself included, had so much crap in their life that needed to be dumped, almost like weight on them. And, you know, what it, it's probably, you know, it could be drinking and nutrition and, lack of movement, being stagnant, um, not getting outside, not having a hobby. Like you said earlier, I love the comment about hobbies. I was waiting to talk about that, how people just need to, you know, maybe you just need a, a hobby. Um, but it's, you know, if someone approached me and they said, you know, how, do, how can I get, how can I get through this? How can I overcome this? I'd say, take a look at your life and get rid of all the stuff that you know is not good for you. And that sounds so ridiculous, but we already know the answer to the test. Drinking is not good for you. Eating fast food is not good for you. Mm. Um, and it could be other vices too. I mean, it, I can't believe how many people drink pop and no judgment zone. That wasn't my problem, but it's funny, especially on the fitness side, people talk to me like, man, like, I just wish I could stop drinking pop. I'm like, I don't have that problem, but I can see why, like, you know, it's not good for you. We know that's not it. We know it's not good for you. Um, and I, and I would say, especially before, like I would personally pursue, and that's why I never, uh, I, you know, I never had to be medicated for any of this, but I think it's because I just cleaned up my act and that was, and I, that was the root of the problem for me. I think there are probably some people that need to go that route, sure. but not before they clean up their act. Because mm -hmm. I, I don't believe in, in using medication to, um, to like, as a crutch for like, just, just not getting your act together. And so, um, back to your original question, like, how do you find, how do you find the energy and how do you, I mean, I don't, I guess like, how do you get started? It's just, I think you got to like analyze your life, cut out all the BS and then it's, and it's not going to be an overnight sensation. It's not going to feel great the next day after you do that. Um, I didn't feel good about not drinking for probably at least a few months. Mm -hmm. Like, in fact, I was probably feeling way worse because I always use that as a crutch. Like, oh, I'm feeling kind of weird or off, or I'm not having a good time, or I'm feeling kind of low. And so, you know, a couple of cocktails later and I'm feeling, you know, I'm missed, I'm Johnny good time and everything's great <laughs> until that wears off. Yeah. It's, uh, and so once I cut that crap out, it took some time. So it will take some time. But once you clean it up and just in general, again, I don't, there's so many vices out there. I mean, and, um, you know, it's funny too. I don't know if you've experienced this, but when I talk, talk about this to some people, you know, people are very reluctant to give anything up because, and it's like for this fear that they will, they will miss out on something in life. Like for me, it's, and I, and I know I felt that way for years. Like, oh, if I quit drinking, I'm going to miss the party. I'm going to miss the fun and the, the good times that everybody experiences as, as a byproduct of, of partying. 
And what I, what I came to find out and figure out is that it was more fun when I wasn't drinking, but it took me some time to come to draw that conclusion and to get comfortable with that. But like people are so it's like, you know, I don't eat a lot of sweets. Very rare anyway. And like, you know, you tell somebody that, and I've, I've talked about that a little bit with some people and they're just like, yeah, you know, I don't want to live my life like that because, you know, just like restricted all the time. It's like, yeah, but you're also the one that's complaining that you have no energy and you can't seem to get anything done. And you're just spinning your wheels constantly and you're feeling down and, you know, you're probably not where you want to be, uh, from a fitness perspective, but you're unwilling to cut the crap out that, you know, is going to help you lose weight and probably not feel like terrible with lack of energy for fear that you might miss out on something like indulging, um, with, you know, I don't know, like, at, like a gathering or something, you know, I, I talked about birthday cake last, last time we talked. Yeah, and I, I think that's that. a good example is like, I'm okay with not eating the birthday cake mm-hmm. and people get, get, give me crap about it. And I'm not saying I'm never going to eat a piece of birthday cake or I've never eaten a piece, but like, you know, people are, it's like, Oh, you can just, why can't you just have one slice? Like, because I'm working on something that, that this doesn't, this isn't like helping me get, get there. And people are just so afraid to just cut the crap. And I think it's directly related to this depression topic because most people don't need medication. Um, I do think it'd be therapeutic for more people to talk openly about this. I try to talk more openly about this, Mm -hmm. about, you know, your feelings and whatnot. But like, I think a lot of most, I think the majority of people just need to just need to cut the crap. Um, and just cut all the nonsense out of their life. And once they do, they'll realize that they feel a lot better. And they start to accomplish things that they've always wanted to accomplish. And, and so I, I kind of got on a rant there, but I think that's for me, that is the secret sauce is just cut, cut all the, cut all the BS out of your life. That isn't, getting you towards your goals and and that, you know, is bad for you. Create a routine, maybe grab a couple of positive hobbies Mm -hmm. and, and, and you'd be very surprised how great you will feel when you do that, but it's going to take some time. I mean, I think if you live on McDonald's and then suddenly you stop eating McDonald's cold Turkey, you're probably going to feel pretty crappy for uh, probably a little while. Yeah. Withdrawal. Yeah. I mean, all that stuff comes with, comes with the, comes with a period of withdrawal for sure. But once you, it's funny, like on that subject, it's funny how, like, once I cut a lot, like all that bad for you food out of, out of my diet, you know, at first it was pretty boring, but I'm surprised now, like how much, like something like a handful of almonds kind of like, I don't want to say it brings me joy, but it just, <laughs> it, ta- it tastes good. You know what yeah. I mean? Like you just, yeah. you just, you acclimate to those things. It's like the most, the things that I would like, I would like scoff at a couple of years ago, like a little, a, a little bit of granola in my, in my yogurt goes a long way these days. It's almost like candy. Yeah. It, it's really funny how, <laughs> how it like kind of flips. Dude, um, that's, that's like me with coffee, like coffee. Cause that's my new drug. Like when I have a, that, cup of coffee in the morning this is like holy shit dude. this is like fucking dude beats anything in the world like that just that good cup of coffee when you take that first sip is just like 
immaculate. It's just nothing can beat that moment. Just that five second moment of just the, the first sip, you know. I I feel exactly the same way about coffee. There is a there's a ritual, there's a ritual behind that. And it's I mean, I feel like we're going down some deep rabbit holes here. If 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 the people listening can can put this all these thoughts together, they're they're gonna go places, but exactly. um, but that that coffee statement is funny because again, once when you cut all the when you cut all the um you know, it's easy to find like euphoria from like like drugs or alcohol because it's pretty instantaneous or relatively instantaneous. Yeah. And when you cut all when you cut all that like mind altering crap out of your life, little things like, you know, just a good cup of coffee. And I guess you could argue that, you know, caffeine is like a stimulant and it's a drug in and of itself, but you know, um, I'd also argue on the flip side of that, that it's a much more positive drug than anything I've ever done, including alcohol. So, um, but yeah, just little things, you know, you just learn that those things start to make you really happy. Like I get really, I mean, think about like a good run that you go on and then, and then you get, you're done. It doesn't always feel great while doing it, but at the end, like I always feel great. And I, that feels way better than any than any like you know night of drinking and partying with friends you know mm-hmm. it's but it took me a long time to get to that point dude i sing i don't know if i told you this on the last one this is a good like little side note that goes along with that um, share with me man getting out of your lull and pulling yourself together and only only being able to like appreciate this when you're on the other side but um i was at like a a work, a work event. And every year we do like a big sales meeting out in Las Vegas. And historically, you know, I've, you know, I've tied one on with the best of them and like, you know, burned it down all night and and went to the meetings in the morning with just a couple hours of sleep. So when I like cut the crap and quit drinking, um, you know, the first year that I, I wasn't drinking, um, Actually, it was virtual, so we didn't go to Vegas. But this last year, so this would have been in January, we went to Vegas. It was the first year I was in person with everybody. And um, it was nice because no one had seen me uh, in person since I had lost a lot of weight. So, you know, people were like asking me about it and stuff. And that was pretty cool. But um, another little zinger I got to throw at him was that I don't drink anymore. And people were like mind blown. Like, what do you mean you don't drink anymore? Because think about the last time they saw me in person. Isn't that crazy? Uh, I was like doing shots and like acting a fool. Yeah. And I was 60 pounds heavier as a result. So, um, but what I thought was funny, and I couldn't have done this in the beginning. So again, kind of tying everything together. Again, it's not going to be easy at first when you make huge life changes. But I had had plenty of time uh, between quitting drinking and this point in Las Vegas. So back to that, it's... We were in Vegas. I hadn't been drinking. Everyone was like, they just thought it was like this crazy thing. It's funny how interested people are in that because I think that I think more people want to stop drinking than than ever do. Like they they can't imagine their life without it. And I used to be one of those people. And like that's what makes them so fascinated by it. They there were people just inundating me with questions. So anyway, I'll wrap this up here. But I so on the last night every year. Uh, we sing karaoke and it's like, it's like a company sponsored thing. It's not like we choose to do it. The company is like, Hey, we are, you got to be here at this time. 
and you have to sing karaoke and it's not just regular karaoke it's karaoke with a live band oh wow so you go up on stage and you're with a band and you know everybody's hammered and so the last time i did it and i have this great picture of me and i look awful like i had been drinking this is always at the end of the week so i've been drinking all week and then you know the the big finale is this karaoke night and so this just this this january i put my name in and i had an early morning flight so i was like I want to sing first. And I I knew I had to get out of there early. So I put my name in, obviously I'm stone cold sober and I get up there and I just rip a Katy, a Katy Perry song. And I, and I was like, I was, uh, I was a little bit like apprehensive at first. I was like, man, like this is going to suck so bad, but no, I got up there and I was just like, I, it was like, I was, I was like performing like, uh, like at a concert or something like that. Yeah. Like a great, you know, Grammys. Not that I'm like, you know, that great or anything, but it was just funny how like, you know, not so long ago, I couldn't have possibly imagined uh, doing something like that without drinking and getting that liquid courage. But no, like I got up there, it was no problem. It was, I actually had fun. I think I had more fun doing it sober than I ever did drunk. And that to the people listening is what can happen when you pull yourself out of your depression you clean up your life is you find that you can do crazy things that you never thought that you'd ever be able to do. Mm-hmm. And, but it, but it all starts with, you gotta like, you know, I don't care. I don't care what path you take, but you're going to, you're going to have to pull yourself out of it Absolutely. and hope, and hopefully you have a great support system. Um, I think a lot of it's trial and error, but you know, that was my rant, but I, it's, it's, it all starts with, I found this on the web and my Apple watch thinks that I'm talking to it, but, um, <laughs> it just starts with cleaning your, cleaning yourself up, seeing how you feel. And it's gotta be, there's gotta be a routine. Like, I don't, I don't know. I think, I, I don't think, I don't think anybody can pull themselves out of this if they're, if they're like if they're not doing anything consistently. Yeah. Like you, you're going to end up sleeping all the time. Exactly. So. Yeah. And I, it's funny because what I wanted to also talk about too, was when you were telling the story was the immense amount of confidence that you were gaining from pulling yourself out of the, the rut that you were dealing with and cleaning up yourself, because you're not just cleaning yourself up physically, but you're also cleaning yourself up mentally and soulfully when you clean up your soul and you start to clean up everything else and i'm talking about like you start dressing better right you start putting effort in like the way you dress granted i don't dress the best but i definitely i definitely do not dress like a bum every day you know i i like to i like to look nice because i care about my hygiene when i was experiencing these times of depression i i was not shaving i was not doing like the bare minimum things you know it's just like a shower deodorant and just get out the door but when you start to clean up yourself and you're not like, not just bodily wise, it's, it's crazy the amount of confidence that you start having, because if you put on a little bit of clone, you finally throw on some pants and you go outside or you, you throw on like some joggers or whatever, and you put on some nice fucking clothes, you want to go do stuff. And now if you start doing that now, apply this to the things that you were doing in your life, such as cleaning up your act, cleaning up the alcoholism in our sense, right and people see the difference in you that they can't really pinpoint 
And I think the best part is you something. Some I, I heard the I heard it one time, and it was really nice to hear, man. Like I could not stop smiling throughout the day. But one of one of my friends was like, "There's something different about you that I just can't put my finger on." But you look fucking good. And I was like, "Really?" There, and I'm just like, "What? What do you think it could be?" And it's like, "I don't know. You just don't look. You look. You look good." And I'm like, I, I was just thinking about that the whole day. I'm like, damn, you know, I must have made a really big change because like you were saying, like the, the whole drinking wise, man, I, it wasn't just, it, I was not, I was never drinking to have fun. I was never drinking just because I wanted to socialize. I was drinking because I had zero confidence in myself and the, my ability to, to do absolutely anything. I was drinking to suppress how I felt absolutely every fucking day. And I was drinking because it was, it's what made me feel comfortable. It's what made me feel at ease. It's what made me feel like I didn't have to face reality anymore because reality was always there. But with the drug of alcohol inside my body, I felt like Alice in Wonderland. And to go from that area of unconfidence and now having the confidence and the ability to be happy in yourself and this person that you look at every day who's cleaned up and is sober, I think that is the greatest achievement in anyone's life. Because before, all the stuff that I was doing to myself, and I'm, I, I, I'm pretty sure you can agree with me, was causing a lot of emotional damage to not just me, but everyone else. And I live with a lot of regret. I shouldn't be saying that. You know, like I should not <clears throat> be saying that I live with regret, but I do live with a lot of regret, man. Because a lot of the, the people I had in my life um, I shed myself away from some really good people, whether it was friends or family, because I was not confident enough to be around them. You know, I would make friends when I was at some of my other duty stations, but I didn't want to be around them just because I wasn't confident enough to be around them. I wasn't confident enough to hang around with them. And a lot of them would be like, oh yeah, I used to really enjoy being around you. Like, you know, and then you stop talking to me. I'm like, yeah, I'm, it's just, I had, I had zero confidence being around because every time I like, I, I knew I was going to go hang out with you. I was just like, I got to put on this face of somebody who's not me. I got to be this person. That's never going to be who I am because I just don't like who I am. And granted, I was in the, like during these times I was in the gym every day. I was probably at like my strongest and my bulkiest, but I was still just the alcoholic depressed piece of shit who knew exactly what I was going through, but was not willing to get out of my own, my own like mud pile. I was willing to just live in it because I know that living where I am right now, it was, if I tried something different, what if I became either uglier or what if I became weirder? I don't know if that kind of makes sense. And, you know, it's, it's a hard topic to, to understand because when you start to understand like the confidence that you are dealing with, it's, it's amazing. But when you're getting there, it's the body dysmorphia. It is mm -hmm. the mental dysmorphia. And a lot of people, I think, get worse before they get pretty because they're shying away from just the, the comfortable things that they were consistently doing every day, just like myself. And it's hard, man. And it's fucking hard because you see yourself become uglier than ever. And then you kind of just come out, out of, you, you kind of come up out of nowhere. And I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. And no, go ahead. Go ahead. My bad. No, no. Yeah. I, I, 
you're going to feel worse before you feel better in any, whether it's like physically, um, mentally. And no, I, I, I love that you're talking about like the confidence because you don't think that in the moment, you don't, again, it's, it's so easy to look back and see like, Oh yeah, I wasn't, I just wasn't, I had no confidence. Um, but in the moment, you don't realize that you don't, you know, and it's, you're not, isn't it's funny how like, you're not honest with yourself first. You're mostly not honest with yourself, even internally. Like when you were dealing with that, all that, you probably weren't saying to yourself, oh man, I have no confidence. Right. You know what I mean? But yeah. Now absolutely. You can look back and say, man, I had, I had no confidence. It's really easy. But in that moment, like you don't, all you know, all you knew in that moment was probably when, when I, when I drink, I feel a lot better. 100%. And then, you know, you know, that maybe you felt like you had more confidence, but now in hindsight, you're like, I had no confidence and that's why I drank. And, and um, yeah, it's just one of those things. It, I think there's obviously probably way more extreme examples than you and I, but we're probably pretty extreme compared to most people. I think a lot of people that feel are feeling low and feeling depressed and stuff, they probably don't even have it this bad. Mm-hmm. And that's why really what's kind of sad about like society in general is that I feel like most people probably don't have like super deep rooted problems. They just need to like get off their phone and, you know, probably eat better. Exactly. And then they'd be like really surprised how much better they would feel. We're also extreme too. I feel like I, I do. I don't know if you feel like this and maybe I'm getting off topic, but I, I've wanted to ask you is like, do you, like, I personally don't have a problem with drinking in general. Like, I think there are two, I think there's two people, two types of people. I think there's people that can socially drink and like have a cocktail and it not like, you know, alter their life and they could just casually drink. And then there's people like, you know, like myself, um, that I just can't do it because I'm just like an extremist. I, I'm either going to have seven beers, 10 beers or none. And it, it, so you know, I, I feel like we're like extreme examples. Like most people can just have like a few drinks and some of the fittest people I know. I mean, I mean, again, I don't, I don't know a lot of fit people in, in real life, but you know, people I follow on Instagram and stuff, they, you know, and God only knows like what the reality of the situation is. You never know with, with the internet, but you know, the, for, for appearances sake, anyway, they seem very fit Their Their physique would certainly point that they are very, very fit. And, you know, they'll post like, you know, going out to have margaritas with their friends and stuff. And like, and I think that's fine. So yeah. I think, cause clearly they can handle it. It's not like ruining their lives. Like for me, it was ruining my life. Like I was, I wasn't getting anything done. I didn't have the physique or the body that I wanted. And I wasn't um, a good, a, a good family man. Like I should be. And so that's when like, kind of going back to just, when I say like, cut the crap, cut the nonsense out of your life. It's really like, it's very a tailored thing for people because maybe drinking is not like the root of someone's like depression. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's just that they watch too much TV or maybe yeah. they eat too much McDonald's. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? It's just, it, I think anything could, re- could be the root. I think uh, speaking for myself personally is, you know, there's a lot of problems. There was a lot of problems, but drinking was a huge, like probably the, biggest one 
And once Same once I was me. able to like cut that crap out, um, everything else just sort of fell into place. Absolutely. And so I, I think there really is like uh, there really could be because, again, I'm not an expert, but I, I, there really could be like one singular thing for people that once they like identify and, get, and just get rid of it, it could really pull them out of whatever, you know, valley they're living in at the moment. Uh, but they just got to play around with it. But I, I do think at large, we know the answer to the test a, a lot of the time. We, we know that like things in our life are not healthy. Mm-hmm. We just choose, we just choose not to deal with it or get rid of it. So, yeah, absolutely. And I think, um, the, I think the one thing that a lot of individuals, especially myself have a hard time doing is praising, praising the individual when they deserve it most. So it's like, you know, you were talking about, the, the two types of drinkers is I'm the same exact way. But when I was trying to finally get over the drinking, when I would be like, oh, I'm just going to have one. And I actually have one. I wouldn't, I would, I wouldn't say like, oh, good job. You only had one. I'd be like, oh, you know, don't be a fucking pussy. Drink another one. And then that's how things just kind of went downhill. So it's like, you got to be the person that high fives themselves. Just don't do it too hard. Um, and like, the biggest takeaway that you could take from this conversation and pretty much the show is the power of refusing to, to never quit on yourself will always be higher than the power of refusing to quit cold Turkey on some of the things that are holding you back. Because when you quit on the things that are cold, you know, you quit cold Turkey on the things that are holding you back. Now your biggest fight is going to be not quitting on yourself because you have to, believe in what you're doing right now and you have to trust the process because if you don't then what is the point of you even doing it and which which is why i was saying earlier like you can swim in your own mud but you're just going to continuously swim there if you don't choose to believe in yourself and get out of it right if you get out of it well guess what if you believe in yourself to get out of it now you have to believe in yourself to continuously stay away from it and not go back into where you're going and it's like, it's going to be just occupation of the things that are going to help you most on the, it's like, if you don't want to wake up in the morning and go to the gym, then just go for a walk and watch how far it's like, if you go for a walk for just 10 or 30 minutes, well, guess what? You're going to feel good because you're getting vitamin D you're getting serotonin and serotonin and vitamin D are going to allow you to want to move and stay active that you're going to want to accomplish other goals. And maybe just, maybe you might go to the fucking gym. You're not perfect. You're not, people like myself and Seth and you're not David Goggins, but maybe it'll entice you to want to do more. And that activity is what I have seen make some of the best individuals to include myself and, and Seth as well. And before, you know, we kind of, we kind of finish this off and everything like that. The biggest takeaways you're going to have is when you start showing confidence and you start pulling yourself out of your rut, you got to know what it is to be strong. And I'm not talking about physically. I'm talking about mentally. Because when, when I was super underconfident and what I thought was confidence because, you know, I had muscle, but mentally I was not sound. Um, I wasn't okay with being by myself. You know, I, I was always looking for somebody to be around because I just wanted somebody else's physical presence. But what you need to understand is physical confidence and mental confidence is being okay with being yourself. Being okay with looking in the mirror and saying, you see that guy in the mirror, that's a piece of shit, but I'm making him better because that's how I wait. That's how I look at it. Right. Everyone has their own kind of view. And um, 
said you can share yours but that's how i kind of look at mine because you need to be there before you can be there for other people because if you're not there for yourself then how can you really be how can you really be a um you know an example how can you really be a savior and um a lot of people don't understand that because what's the biggest thing that you always hear oh it's always the people that have the worst lives that give the best advice so it's like yeah that's good and all but what is the purpose of you giving advice if you can't even follow it yourself? Um, so, and just show gratitude, show appreciation for the people in your life that you have. Cause I can count on total two people who in my life that I really appreciate, even though, you know, they're leaving me, but that's okay. And I'm, I'm always forever grateful for them and everyone that I get to meet that shares a story with me and that gets to listen to my annoying ass voice talk because these are so important and you, you'd be surprised as to what you look, you can, what you can learn from other people if you're willing to open up to them. So I don't, I don't know how you kind of feel about that stuff. You nailed, you nailed it. And it's worth, if we could rewind back to the beginning of this, I would have said this earlier um, because you do have to surround yourself with people. Like you will end up by yourself. You know, you're going to, you're going to, be by yourself at the end of the day, at the end of the day for, I mean, you're going to be in your own mind. You're in, in your own head. A lot of times you're going to be alone. You're gonna have to deal with it, but it definitely, it definitely helps. And I know I wouldn't have got through my, my situation without good people around me. So yeah, I, yeah. As part of like the earlier statement, you know, talk about cutting all the crap out of your life. That's not getting you anywhere. That same thing goes for people. Absolutely. Cut all the people out of your life that are not getting you there who are the people that are giving you crap about you know not drinking the beer or whatever and again what's interesting is you'd be surprised at how many people will be supportive um when you start you know getting your act together in any i, I guarantee in any uh capacity but yeah you, you got to surround yourself by good people good positive people that support you and that will, that will help get you there. It's, I think it's really tough. I think it would be really tough had I not had anybody um, to kind of lean on to get to, you know, to get me to the other side. But again, at the end of the day, it's you versus you. Those people aren't even, I don't care how supportive everybody around you is. They're not, they're not the one that's going to help you, you know, wake up earlier or go to bed earlier or eat, eat right. You know, nobody right. can hold your hand, but it's definitely having a support system is, I think is key. Yeah. Like look at them for support, but don't look at them to change you because nobody can change you unless you're willing to change yourself. That's, that's my biggest advice. Absolutely. Because Absolutely. I think that that goes for a lot of people. And I know that went for me for a while because I was looking for, and this was when I was, you know, um, coming up and being a single guy is, I was looking for too many people to change me and ask me how I was doing every day consistently, but I wasn't looking within myself to change. And I wasn't really asking myself, like, what are you doing? Okay. How can we become better? Like I wasn't asking, I was waiting for people to do it. Nobody would do it. And I would just be so fucking depressed and so emotional because realistically men are emotional and that was me, but it's like, okay, I got to stop looking for people and I got to look for myself, man. So it's like, what are we going to do in, 
you know, having that epiphany and having that spiritual awakening really, really helped to get me to where I am now to the point where it's like, you know, I realize that I don't need anyone, but I also realize that I need these people in my life because they have been there for me and some of the absolute worst times in my life. And I'll forever be grateful for them. And if they, if needed be, man, I'm willing to take the shut off my back for them. So it's always understanding who you have in your corner and who you really have around you to never be reluctant towards them and to always show gratitude when, when able to. Gratitude is key. Yeah. So if you, anybody listening, and if you haven't also Rob, Type in Gary V gratitude. Have you ever listened to him? Like go off on tangents about gratitude. No, what is he on? Um, so just type in Gary V. Are you familiar with him at all? It sounds familiar. I don't know. You would know him. If you saw him, you know him. And, And people like goof on him a little bit. And I'm not, you know, I'm not like in the Gary V cult or anything like that, but I love some of his content and he talks a lot about gratitude and like, just like, uh, like navigating your life, like always coming from a place of gratitude. Cause like, if you, and I'm going to butcher it, it's best you just, everyone just goes and, and searches Gary V gratitude. I guarantee you there's a million YouTube videos. Oh, is it a Gary Vaynerchuk? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. I'm looking at him right now. Yeah. So yeah, I knew, you know, who all he was. He, yeah. He's, yeah. He's all over, but he talks a lot about gratitude. And one of the things he says, like, if you live your life, always coming from a place of like being grateful, you know, it doesn't really matter what will happen. Anything could happen to you. And uh, he talks a lot about how like his parents are still alive and basically like any day that he doesn't get that call, you know, that somebody in, in his family passed away is a good day. So like nothing, if he, lo- if he looks at his life through that lens, nothing that could possibly get thrown at him could, what can, can really be, looked at as bad it's like oh like you know something goes wrong at work well you know what in the grand scheme of things it's not that big of a deal like my parents are healthy my kids are healthy my wife's healthy you know uh in the grand scheme of things whatever this you know small thing that happened is not that big of a deal and i've really like tried to i'm not always conscious of it i need to like tattoo it on my my face or something but it if when i'm conscious of that and i think in that in those terms like it really does uh put me in a way more positive headspace about just anything that I would normally like, you know, frame as negative. So yeah, gratitude is, um, just be grateful. And I think that definitely relates straight to this depression because even though you probably feel like, you know, you're at your lowest and you feel awful, like, you know, there's probably a lot of things to be grateful for. And I think if you look at it that way and you, and you really think about that, you, it might kind of, it might help pull you out of, you know, this, this, uh, depressed state that you're in. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, that's why, like, even with the friends that I have now, like my closest friends, I'll just throw them a compliment. Like at least sometime during the conversation, or if I haven't seen them, it's like, Hey man, I miss you. I hope you're fucking doing good. Like I just, that's just my thing because I've, I've been the person who's been there for other people and I've never got gratitude for them, but I know that if I do for somebody else, at least it'll make me feel good because they know and they're going to leave with the reassurance. They're like, oh, you know, maybe somebody get actually give us a fuck. But that's just my thing. That's just, you know, my two cents because, you know, you never know when somebody's really going through because, you know, most of the time people don't really want to share that with you, you know. But 
um we'll end things here man because i know you got you got you got family to be around you got more stuff to do so that you can stay occupied just like myself brother but it was good having you back on the show and if you were listening to this once again make sure you check out said buttons podcast it is a former fat dad podcast also check them out on instagram at former fat dad fitness i appreciate every single person who came on the show seth once again thank you for being on the show it was a pleasure and i will be looking forward to having you again all right man all right, brother. Thanks for having me. Of course, man. You take care. And as everybody, stay murdery. <laughs>